All right, my co-sports VIPs, why your goat ain't mine. The five greatest quarterbacks in NFL history is yours today, right now, for free, for free, 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 free. All you have to do is go into ColdSports.com and get your copy. Let me say that again. All right, my co-sports VIPs. Why your goat ain't mine, the five greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, is yours today for free, for free, for free, for what? For free, for what? For free. All you have to do is go on to ColdSports.com and get your copy. So what are you waiting on? Go get it! Unfiltered, uncompromising, hard-hitting, inspirational, Cold Sports presents Conversations. Welcome to Cold Sports Conversations. I am Cole Johnson and I am so glad that you've joined us. Our next guest is the president and CEO of the Daily Blitz 61.com. He also is a radio contributor and he is also the official NFL correspondent to Cole Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Christian Simpson. It is an honor to call him a friend and I'm so glad that he actually set aside some time to talk to us. You will definitely not be disappointed because this is our conversation. I am absolutely honored to be doing this for the best in the business. So thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And Cole, man, I'm so I'm so sorry, man. I forgot to do this before we came on. You know, a lot really has happened since um since we last were on the show together. First, man, I miss you, man. Real talk. I talk to you quite often. And, you know, it's all, whether it's life, whether it's you helping me with something, me helping you with something, you know, we still stay in, in touch, man. I got a brother for life, so, you know, man, I miss you, man. I'm so glad that we're back doing this. That's number one. And, you know, uh, number two, your little bro turned 26, man. So that's the last thing that happened when we had a show. But two days after my birthday, uh, somebody in our field, and I know you admire him very highly, as do I. And I think we're honoring him even more this weekend with it being NBA All-Star Weekend. We've lost the pioneer in our industry, uh, Mr. Craig Sager. Uh, you know, and I won't even say we lost him. I just felt God needed him more. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just felt, you know, he fought as much as he could. And God said, just come on. I got you now. You belong to me. And, you know, God, man, your heart just goes out to Craig Jr. and his wife, Lisa, and, you know, their kids and, you know, he was just somebody that really bought a lot of life, you know, besides the colorful suits. He was the guy that always had a smile on his face. And, you know, I could truly say I wouldn't be here without him and another legend that we lost a couple years ago in Stuart Scott. Yeah, before I continue, man, you mentioned two names. And you actually took one of my questions away now. <laughs> Let was, me hear it. Because I was actually going to ask, uh, who in sports journalism do you admire the most? 
Oh man! And, and, I, it, and I figured, in knowing you, I figured Craig Sager would be one of them. Yeah, you know, and then you know, Stewart just he he bought his own style to the television. You know, he was a guy that he wanted to make it seem like you were there. I could definitely tell you every time I watched a Sports Center anchored by Stuart Scott. I felt like I was there. Just the excitement he put into everything. You could tell, man, this was his passion. Sports was, man, sports was such an intricate part of his life. And, you know, he was the best at what he did for for such a long time. Fantastic father to to his two daughters, Taylor and Sydney. You know, everybody, you couldn't say anything bad about him. You know, I actually have a cousin that uh, does some work with ESPN. And she said Stuart Scott was the definition of a gentleman, you know, just very polite. And even if he didn't know you, he wanted to make you feel like he knew you for about five or ten years. You know, that's how he was. Just, you know, just a very outgoing guy. And, you know, he's meant, I remember the day he passed, how it hit some people when Michael Jackson died. That's how it was when, when Stewart died. You know, I was sad. It was very emotional. I mean, this guy paved the way, not just, you know, for African-American in this industry i think i think for all races he just wasn't for all for african-americans i think he was just you know he was in support of the human race no matter what it was you wanted to do and you know it's just tough you know to see somebody go like that but like i said man you know he didn't lose the cancer he fought he beat cancer he beat cancer and you know that he's just a motivation not not just to me but i'm sure yourself as well and just so many other people i think that are that are fighting, not just, you know, through illness, but just dealing with, with the punches that life throws you every day. And, I mean, he handled himself so gracefully. He handled himself with class, so humble, um, a polite guy. And, you know, he it's going to be tough to replace a guy like that. You know, and I could tell he was definitely one of the good ones. And we lost a legend that day, and everybody, I think, was affected by this. You saw then-President Obama give a comment make a statement about him and this was just the guy i grew up on and you know a lot of a lot of young black guys my age now you know grew up on Stuart scott booyah or man give him some butter because he's on a roll (laughs) you know just things like that and i think the thing that really moved me that day was i'm sure you probably saw this i'm gonna go back down memory lane the day he passed rich eisen on the nfl network yeah Broke it down, and I mean, God, you couldn't help but cry with him. I mean, the onion, someone was cutting the onions in my house heavy that day. And he, you know, they were close. You know, they referred to themselves as TV husband and wife. <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, to see him have to give that news about someone that's been so close to him, it broke my heart. But, you know, you know Stuart wouldn't, I don't think Stuart want us to be down about him. I think he want us to live it up. I, what I admired about him most was the fact that, yeah, he can, can bring Ebonics into Sports Center and and do what he did there, but he still could break it down if he wanted to and just speak, just speak normal, and and have that extra flavor added on to it. You know, just the ultimate professional, and I really, 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 really miss him. That's one of the he was one of the ones I wanted to meet. <laughs> when yeah, I really definitely. got when I really got going, that was a, that was one of the ones I wanted to shake my hand and say, "Man, thank you for actually making it possible for someone like me to actually have a voice." Bingo, in this, bingo in this sports realm. 
bingo you know he yeah bingo bingo i couldn't agree with you anymore um he was just he was the the quintessential professional that's the best way for me to put it he did everything just so correct he he handled himself with a lot of grace like i said and you know it's gonna be tough to replace a guy like that you know but i think you just go out and don't try to be him you know just live the life and continue to walk on the foundation that he allowed you to 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 walk on that that's the way i look at it and that's that's perfectly said because that's that's what he made me understand. I didn't have to be like him, but because he was himself, you can be yourself. Right, exactly. Right, you know, another guy that I admire, uh, I've always liked him when he played and now he's made this transition to an analyst, uh Mr. Grant Hill. Um, you know, very knowledgeable of the game of basketball. Played in the NBA. Obviously, we know about his career at uh, the legendary university, Duke University, playing for Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K, as he's known. But, you know, so I've seen him break down some games. He's hosting and inside stuff, Cole. And, you know, what made me kind of want to be that dual analyst a little bit more and, and break down the college side of things from a football standpoint, the NFL and college football you know, when Greg Anthony had his little spiel, they needed to... He was a part of the lead broadcast team for the NCAA on CBS coverage. And he's a guy that could do both as well. Can break down the NBA, can break down college basketball as well. Uh, and with Jim Nance, who's also one of the best in the business. Hello, friends! <laughs> uh, and Bill Raftery, obviously they wanted to have that three-man team. And they added Grant Hill and just his breakdown of the college game really just helped me want to break down the NFL and break down college football as much as I break down the NFL. Like, you know, it's still a work in progress, but, you know, just keeping up with a lot of these kids and watching, you know, watching the games and breaking those down as much as I break down the NFL, it's, you know, that that's because of him. He's one, and then, you know, I also really like Jay Billis. Jay Billis is a very educated guy. He's smart. He gives such a thorough breakdown. You know, it, he he's just been fantastic. I love watching that guy. Love listening to him talk. And when you can tweet Young Jeezy lines the way he does, you know you're cool in my book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I actually think his best work is yet to come. That's how good he, he's going to be. Exactly. You know, and as for Jay Bills, I'm on record as saying he is my favorite college basketball personality, period. Hands down. Yeah. I love yeah. that guy. I love it. Yeah, yeah, man. God, it's so many analysts called that, you know, have really, that I really admire. You know, Harold Reynolds, I love his breakdown of baseball. Um, you know, he's, yeah, he's good. You know, you look at you look at a guy like, um, you know, even though he's a little aggressive at times, I love his breakdown, and I've tried to emulate my style a little bit after him. That's Rodney Harrison. I mean, he, the way he played is the same way he is. On Football Night in America, you know, he, he gives a great player's perspective, and he'll tell you if somebody looks terrible. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that, uh, I look at, I look at a guy like, um, man, you know, Tony Dungy is great, Michael Strahan. Not just as a football analyst, but just look at what he's done in media. It seems like he's had a better career after football than he did when he played football, and it seems like he's worth more now. I mean, the guy has a line of suits out. 
Uh, he works for Good Morning America. He hosts Fox. He's one of the analysts on Fox NFL Sunday. He went into the Hall of Fame. I mean, that, that's a pretty nice afterlife of football. And I wonder if like a lot of these guys that are close to the end now are kind of looking at him and saying, whoa, if I can do that, if he can do that, so can I. Really, Myron, and man, I hope, uh, I hope those suits... Yeah, 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 if you're hearing me, Mike, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting a discount on them suits, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, you know, those are some of the few guys that, that have really motivated me. Those are some of my, you know, analytical inspirations. Him, you know, like I said, Stewart, even though he wasn't an analyst, you know, you got Craig Sager. You know, just just guys like that, you know, guys that are so passionate about what it is they do, and they, they just try to give you a great understanding of the game, of of the sport that they're breaking down. So those are definitely my inspirations. Great question. Oh, thanks. Thanks. And look, you, you well, you know I share your admir- admiration of Craig Sager. I mean, right. there, there was a thing that guy did I disliked. I mean, it, and, and you can name the sport. And he covered baseball, covered football. We all know that he covered basketball. And he was more than just the colorful suits. Just the knowledge that he had and the fact that he was so professional with everybody. Whether it was a Michael Jordan or a Greg Popovich or a Kevin Garnett or any other person. He was just such he was such the ultimate professional. And yeah, he's on my he's he's on my, my, my board of okay, I want to I want to do things similar to him in this fashion. Yeah, one of the, one of the greatest, and that's I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned his name. Now, <laughs> now here we are. I mean, we you know we're boys, and <laughs> it's so it, it, it's it's so easy just to talk with you. Uh, right. Uh, how did you get this passion of, of, of sports? And uh, you know, it take, take take me take me back to take me back to to when you were born. Uh, how how did you get this passion? Man, just, you know, watching him, I I think, you know, I don't remember him too much, but, you know, growing up in the era of of Michael Jordan, you know, everybody wanted to be like Mike, um, wearing his shoes, wearing his jersey. I think every kid at that age was a Michael Jordan fan, (laughs) you know, anytime he came on, he was must-see TV had such an impact on on the game and still kind of has an impact now because you still see guys going out waiting in line for his shoes and and stuff like that uh oh man as far you know sports guys it's just been such a big passion of mine you know growing up in new york city a diehard yankee fan and you know seeing the start uh, uh of Derek jeter's career you know that that got me going you know liking basketball seeing jordan Seeing Kobe, you know, when I was 12 years old, LeBron comes into the league, you know, I've seen him pretty much his whole career. Seeing Tim Duncan growing up, you know, seeing a lot of baseball, seeing a lot of football, you know, I can truly say, Cole, I've seen some of the greats, you know, before they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, you know, play, even though they were past their primes of their career you know and i mentioned guys like john elway you know there's guys like steve young i saw the start of peyton's career so i pretty much remember everything peyton's accomplished i've seen all of brady i've seen him win all five super bowls and man sports has just been so important and you know i think it's an outlet not just for me but for anybody you know when when something's not right they turn to sports you know i think sports is one of those things that just tries to get you to come together and you you just 
it's it's just one of those things that you can talk about whether you like a team whether you hate a team i just think the debates the camaraderie and everything you know it's just one of those things that brings everybody together mm, that, that that's a good answer uh but it makes me want to ask you this question <laughs> okay i think i was i was on i think i was on your site and i read in your bio that you actually were a dallas cowboy fan now Help help a brother reconcile this. Now I know that you're you, uh, like uh, <laughs> like Peter Gunn said, you're New York to the heart, but got love for all. Right. All right. Now I know you 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 roll with a whole ton of New York teams: Yankees, Giants, Knicks. I know you roll with right. them. How in the world did you actually become a Dallas Cowboy admirer before you actually now call them what's the word? Cow broads. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the polite, appropriate ones. <laughs> um, you know, man, growing up, you know, they were just one of those teams that that always grabbed your attention. You know, Aikman, Irvin, Emmett Smith, uh, and one of the greatest, in my opinion, who's another one that I really admire, Deion Sanders. I mean, you talk about a guy who was Mister Everything. That 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 was Deion. You know, a guy that could shut down. One side of the field, a guy that could play on offense, a guy that could play on special teams. He was a baseball player. You know, my admiration for Dion, and, you know, I think it was kind of like a how LeBron fans are today. Wherever LeBron goes, I go. That's how it was with Dion for me growing up. Wow, wonderful transition on that one. Okay. Yeah, and look, I, I was a huge Dion fan, too. I mean, way back when he actually was a, a, a Falcon because it, it it amazed me how he had the ability for years, and it, for years to shut down half of the field. You know, we we you know we talked about you know Darrell Rivas with such passion, and we somewhat at times talked about Richard Sermon with a similar type of passion. But I always say to these cats, I'm like, man, you actually had teams for years on end. If 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 Dion saw the ball go in his direction once in a game, that was a victory. <laughs> because right. teams never threw toward his direction, never exactly. threw there, never. Exactly. Yeah. So, considering that you said that you have an admiration for Dion, and I do too, because I think he's the best cornerback that ever, ever. laced it up ever in the NFL. Ever. It, it makes, ever. Yeah. Ever. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I sense this admiration for defense. So. How did you end up liking defense more than offense? Um, well, when I first started playing, uh, as most kids at that age, you know, you want to be quarterback. You felt you had to spiral, but I kind of had a timing issue, you know, with holding on to the ball a little too long. And then when you hold on to the ball for far longer than you need to, bad things happen. You either take a set, you lose the football, or my favorite, you turn it over. And they moved me to the offensive line, because I was a lot bigger back then, Cole, when I was playing, and I was quick for an offensive line, so alignment, so they wanted to use my speed to their advantage. And then, with, with that speed, I transitioned over to defense, and it was just a match made in heaven. You know, you want to prevent those guys from from scoring on you you want to prevent those guys from marching down the field you want to get a sack of the quarterback you want to make tackles in open space you want to be able to do so many things and you know that's what that's what made me love the defensive side of things 
So were you a defensive lineman or defensive end? I was a defensive end, uh, and I was short for a defensive end. You know, because you look at a lot of defensive ends today, they're 6'3 and 6'4, some of them 6'5, like J.J. Watt, I think is 6'6, if I'm not mistaken, with probably negative 2% body fat. Um, you know, but the guy I really admired when I played was Dwight Freeney because he was shorter, you know, but he had such a great swim move and such a great first step. And he, the the one thing that I was taught playing football was, in football, in the battle of the trenches, that's the offensive line and the defensive line. The lowest man is going to win the battle. And he was always lower than any guy. And I think that's why he became a nightmare when he was in the prime of his career. Because he got low, he had tremendous speed, he could rip through an offensive lineman. And, you know, I kind of emulated my game a little bit after him. No question. Best swim move I've ever seen. Dwight Freeney. Ever. I have I've never seriously I have never seen another defensive end with a swim move like his. And 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 yeah, like you said too, his his devastating explosion from the snap. Impressive. Totally impressive. It's unfortunate that he's now is older and you don't get to see that explosion quite as often. But man, in his prime and even before his prime. Ooh. Yeah, he was a terror. He was a terror for just about every offensive lineman <laughs> that ever crossed him. Uh, I'm sure many left tackles were <laughs> having sleepless nights Saturday night before they they drew that assignment against him. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So defensive end. Well, you're talking to an offensive guard on, on this end. So, yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. And you know, Cole, look, I was an offensive lineman as well, and I bet you, you can agree with me when I say this. Um Offensive linemen are the dirtiest guys on the field. They clip you. They, they they face mask you. They're trying to gauge your eyes out. They'll trip you. They'll hold you and, and everything. I've had quite a few run-ins with offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, I, I have to say this with all honesty. And I, and I thought when I was younger it was defensive. The defensive linemen had to be this way, and they are this way to a degree. But really, I, and it's true. The nasty guys on your team are your offensive linemen. Yep. Period. They're, they're the most aggressive. They're the, <laughs> the meanest. They're the most surly. They're the ones that you really don't want to fool with. Exactly. You know? And if you and, and if, if anyone were to actually ask me, yeah, if out of anyone in football, which you want to pick the fight the least with whatever group, which might be, I'd say offensive line, hands down. I'll I'll try. Right. To, I'll I'll take a tussle with any other person on the field. <laughs> But if it's a if, but if it's a, a guard, a tackle, or a center, I'm not gonna fool with him. <laughs> exactly, e- exactly, man. Yeah, that, <laughs> he couldn't have said it any better, man. <laughs> oh man, oh man, this is good. Uh, <laughs> all right, so you're in you're in the shine now, right? But you came out of the boogie down, and for those who don't know what the boogie down means, it's the Bronx. Okay. All right, so. Tell me, how was it being in the Bronx? How 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 was it growing up in the Bronx? Oh and man, I love your time in the nineties, I think. So yeah. How was oh it? man, man, I loved it. You know, that was a time when the the core four, of the Yankees, was was up and running. And for those of you that don't know the core four, that's Mariano Rivera, that's Andy Pettit, that's Jorge Posada, and that's Derek. the captain, Derek Jeter. You know, those four were up and running. You know, around that time. The Yankees were on top of the baseball world, I think, two or three times uh, before I moved out here. 
if I want to say. Um, you know, hip-hop, I think, at that time, you know, was slowly on the come up you know you had you had Nas you had Jay-Z who just came out you know you had guys like Big Pun there was Big L you know all them New York legends you know if I'm not mistaken in my opinion you know Biggie was still was still there until his unfortunate passing uh rest in peace Chris Wallace um man I loved it man there was just always something to do you know my grandmother she still lives out there as we speak she's had the same apartment call since my mother was a baby and yeah you know she's never given that place up that place is attached and joined to the hip with her um you know man i love it new york is the city where you know it really does not sleep you think everybody thinks it's the same but no it's definitely true you do not sleep out there you can go out get something to eat two in the morning (laughs) if you wanted to you know it's like that uh man i it was a blessing to be born out there it was a blessing i've grown up out there, you know, I did live in New Jersey for a couple of years as well, because New York and New Jersey are separated by the George Washington Bridge, but, man, it was fun, you know, it was fun, just having some relatives out there, being able to see my grandmother, and you know, my cousins, and, you know, just hang out with some friends out there, too, man, it was a blast, I, I absolutely loved it, and I definitely try my hardest not to forget where I came from. Wow, yeah, and, and, <laughs> to echo your sentiments, yeah, uh, Frank Sinatra was right when he's saying that <laughs> New York was a city that never sleeps. Now, I never been to the Bronx. I have been in New York. In fact, I have a relative of mine right. that lives about a stone's throw from the Apollo Theater. So, you know, okay, I, you know, so I I have visited Harlem a few times. Okay, yeah, so uh, I'm I'll probably have to <laughs> hit you up and say, hey man, take me on the tour of the Bronx. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's oh, do it. Man. I've heard a lot of good things about about that area. Period. Yeah, I really have. Definitely, man. Yeah, so man, you almost making hungry to go back to New York now that you're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what prompted your move to Chicago? Um, you know, I think my mother just wanted to change, and it is expensive out there to live out there on the East Coast. And you know, I didn't think I'd be in Illinois for as long as I have. I'll be out here almost 17 years, Cole. August 1st this year absolutely remarkable um I mean it's not the same I've definitely adapted to life out here but you know you just I'm one to believe that change is really a big vital part of life and sometimes you got to take change whether you want to or not and that was definitely one of those situations I don't totally understand that and yeah and I haven't been to Chicago either so <laughs> that definitely is on my bucket list <laughs> there you go Oh, man. All right, so you talked about your time being in football, that you were a defensive end, and you modeled yourself after Dwight Freeney. And you're of the age where you could be in the NFL now. Why aren't you playing now? Man, I am 14 years old. Stress fracture in my leg. Just from doing so much on it, you know, trying to run wind sprints with my teammates and coach said that does not look good. First, it started out as a shin splint. Then, you know, the shin, it just, it cracked. There was a stress fracture. Was uh, was out for the rest of that year. And for me to come back and play, they said that I would need surgery. So it's either you have surgery or you just live with this crack in your leg for the rest of your life and you don't play again. And I just said, you know what, I'm done. And with football being such a big part of my life, I still wanted to be involved in the sport. 
in some capacity. So you saw me watching those pregame shows, you know, Sunday NFL Countdown. The NFL today, you know, when Greg Gumbel was hosting it with Shannon Sharp and Dan Marino and, uh, and Boomer Esiason, and then they end up adding Coach Bill Cower. you know, the NFL on Fox. Guys like that. Um, all the pregame shows, man, I just wanted to, you know, really see if I could give a breakdown of football. I just remember my father always calling me, you know, asking me, and I just found myself sounding very analytical, as he would say. And, you know, the, the rest is history from there, and ended up getting into broadcasting school, and here I am. I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad that, that that passion that fueled you on the gridiron <laughs> you took with you now. Yeah, because it explains a lot. Well, now, you know, now sitting back and looking at how you break down and just got a glimpse of how you do it here on on this interview. Right. Just getting a glimpse of how you break things down. I I, I, I can feel the passion from here. You know, that Thank you, you. you love it. And and to me, that to me, that is what makes an analyst really be worth something. The fact that you can actually sense that not only does this person, guy or girl. Not only do they have a grasp of it from the analytical end, they actually have the passion along with it, and it makes you compelled to listen to every single word they're saying. Right. Yep. And, yeah, and and I love that about you. I love that that you have that energy about you. Thank you so much. Oh man. Now we talked about the the uh, sports journalists and analysts that you admired. Right. Give me some that you don't. G- give me the ones that you dislike. <laughs> oh man, that's a good question. Um Oh man, wow, that's good. You know, I like them at times. I think I have a love-hate relationship with them. That's Charles Barkley cuz sometimes he doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> when when he speaks and you know, there are times when you know he says some things that make you say, "Okay, he's he's spot on." You know him. He's definitely one. You know, I look at a guy like, uh, wow, wow, this is a good question because this one really sits back and it really makes you think. Um, wow, Cole, damn, please, that he is an analyst for MLB Network. He just comes off as goofy to me. You know, he, you know, doesn't always seem to know what. He's discussing, but there was one. I think he's no longer with the MLB Network, and uh, he went by the name of Mitch Williams. He just kind of had that look on his face. He was a jerk. Just kind of had that look on his face like, really? Did you really ask me that? And that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Those are probably the three that I I could um, I could come up with. Now, Phil Sims. Yeah, I, gotta throw, I had to throw a football guy, and I knew there was one. I knew there was one that I was forgetting because Phil, you know, Phil kind of gets away from what he's supposed to be breaking down. Phil, and then Chris Collinsworth as well. I haven't really been a Chris Collinsworth guy too much either. So I think those are a few that I don't really care for in particular. Mm. Uh, well, see, with the, uh, well, Mitch Williams, I, I'm not really a big fan of him. <laughs> I, I've, I've read a couple of, of articles that, that have pinpointed him, and I've seen that some of the things he's broken down. I'm thinking, okay. You're acting like you're the smartest guy in the room, which means that you don't even you don't even need to even have a seat in front of a camera, <laughs> because people are just going to be repelled by you no matter what. Uh, as far as as Collinsworth and Sims are concerned, uh, hmm, they both of them seem to be this this type, <laughs> you know, the, the the analysts that seemingly just showboats for whoever is the front runner of that particular game. <laughs> 
it, 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 that's what I. That's the vibe I get with both of them. And, right. And and you know and and I, I I totally get what you mean when you say with Sims that he that that the the analytical part of the game sometimes just gets away from him. And I feel that way about Collins War too. It almost seems as if they forget their color guys, and then they just act as if they're fans. And that could be a good thing if it's done right. But it comes across as, and it's wrong from their their particular standpoint because they're supposed to actually analyze the game from a neutral position. You know, they they don't have a rooting interest in either team. Exactly. But they come across at times as having rooting interest in certain teams, and that exactly that is not a good thing. That is at all. Yeah. So I I totally get why you why you said them that. That was a good answer, though. Man. You know, and I just thought of another one as you were talking. Terry Bradshaw, and the reason why now is what he said about Mike Tomlin. That just didn't sit well with me. What is the deal with him? Look, look, I I was born in Louisiana, so I've seen some Louisianians, you know, that all shucks mentality and the personality. And right. I, and I get that's why he's on TV now. You know, he's he's the good old Southern boy that made good in the NFL, and 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 he 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 makes grandmas in the Midwest happy. I, I get that. But there's just certain times that he just simply should keep his mouth shut. Now, why would he actually come out of his mouth to say that this this coach who has won a Super Bowl, been to another, and really has ruled the division that they are in? How could he fix his mouth to say that this guy is just a good coach and not a great coach? Um, I, I, I just can't get that. And I still can't understand that because this is this is a guy that uh, I can name 28 other head coaches who would have loved to have been in his position this year that didn't get Yep. There. Yep. I can name 28 right now. <laughs> and that guy is not a that guy is not a great head coach. Get out of here, man. Oh, man, yeah, I don't get it. And that, you know, that just didn't sit well with me, so he hasn't really been a favorite of mine since those comments. I don't blame him. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it almost harkens back 40 years back when uh, Hollywood Henderson, before, they, before the Cowboys and the Steelers played the Super Bowl, and this is kind of cold, though, when he actually said, look, you can spot Terry the C and the A, and he still can't spell cat. Oh wow! Yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's harsh. Yeah, very harsh. Ooh, burned. Yeah, yeah. But I could almost, I could somewhat get the understanding as to why someone would say that because Terry could just pop off and say mess like that, you know. Ugh. Yeah. So, let me ask you a personal question. Why? I, I see on a lot of the stuff that you have the number sixty-one. Why the number sixty-one? Then the good question, the number 61 was the last number I wore when I got hurt. And I felt that was a very big part of me in high school. You know, uh, that was the last number that they had left. They let me choose it. I said, okay, I would like it. Uh, I would like to have it and I'll represent it to the best of my ability. And unfortunately, you know, I got hurt wearing that number. So, you know, I think that's just a, a nice little reminder to show me that you know the injury i felt was a a blessing in disguise because that injury propelled me to do other things and that number along with the injury propelled me to really perfect my craft and try to be the best at what it is i do Mm. yeah 
and, it, and when I first saw that, I was thinking, hmm, that has to be a jersey number. And it has to have some type of resonance with him. Yep. And I'm like, okay. And I, and, and, and I immediately, and I haven't said this to you until now, and we've known each other for a, a good while. Yeah. I actually said, okay, this guy has the football mentality still in him. This guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy still thinks he can put on the helmet, put on the pads, put on the jersey, get on the gridiron, and just knock, knock the stuffing out of people. You know, you want to hear a funny story? A few years ago, uh, I lived in a town uh, named Joliet, Joliet, Illinois, and there was a semi-pro team. Got the opportunity to do some work with them, hosted their little online show called Inside the Ship, because the name of the team was Joliet Buccaneers. Um, You know, and one of my closest friends, still close friends to this day, best teammate I've ever had, Cole, his name is Tony, Tony Bajorklin. Um... Just a, a great mind of the game, you know. We we have those talks. He'll call me, and we'll just have football talks for about an hour or, or two hours tops at that. And you know, we were reunited, reacquainted two years ago. I've interviewed some guys on the team, and one day they were short at practice. And look, if you don't practice, you really can't execute your best game plan. I'm sure you heard that a lot from your coaches when you played. So, you know, luckily I had on sweatpants. They didn't have the pads. You know, I had on sweatpants. I had on sneakers. They needed a, they needed a linebacker in the middle, and I played linebacker. But the minute I saw a guy in full pads coming at me, I'm like, hold on, player. I'm not. I'm retired. I do not. Uh-uh. I do not do this anymore. You know, so, no, nah, it was just fun to kind of do that, play in the middle, and then once our defense got to stop, you know, you're bumping chest with, with, with a lot of the guys that you play with. And so that, that exuberance, I think, is always going to be there. But I just, you know, I look at it now compared to when I played back then, and, God, these guys are so competitive because, you know, we've done some on-demo uh, live stuff, you know, how they do this, how they do that, and, you know, I've interviewed a lot of these receivers, and I said, okay, you know, I'm a corner who doesn't have that much experience. How do you attack me? And, you know, all right. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So, you know, I line up as a corner, and they line up as a receiver. And, you know, they kind of shrug me off. I'm like, I had to tell them. I'm like, look, man, look, I don't play anymore. So, come on, be easy. <laughs> and life comes at you fast. You know, so uh, that that is great. Oh, man, I love that. Now, I met you, if I can remember, in a Facebook sports room Mm -hmm. called The World of Sports. You did. Yeah. And and I mean, I can I can recall what started us talking, period. And it was it was right around the time. And it's almost a year now. Wow. Wow. Uh, I know you remember this because. You're almost an encyclopedia of football knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> when Martavius Bryant uh, was suspended for a year, and the, the announcement came down, and uh, and I remember going, I remember going to town on him on, on, on my podcast. Oh yeah, you went in. I, I went in on him. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to your site, and I read. What you had to say about Martavius Bryant, I was thinking, wow, oh my gosh, this is the same stuff that I would have written. <laughs> I would have written this. And I was thinking, okay, he thinks similar to me in a lot of ways. Definitely when it comes to sports, definitely when it comes to these athletes. So 
how did you create this room, World of Sports? Oh man, I uh, you know I just wanted to get a ton of people that I know who just you know who love sports as I do, who like to debate, who like to you know meet other people, and I just said you know I wanted to. I wanted to accomplish something where I could bring all that together and, you know, we can speak in a room. And a lot of this kind of has to do with somebody else I, I admire because this came out around the same time the well-known Players Tribune came out. You know, uh, that's what Derek Jeter runs. And you just want to have your hand at other things. You know, my parents have been extremely supportive of everything I do and my parents have always told me not to always have your marbles in one basket don't be afraid to expand you know and I, that's something that I take so seriously and when they were there when I spoke at my alma mater my broadcasting school that I graduated from uh I just remember saying that a lot because people always seem to ask, what do I do during the offseason? Cole, you know, I could be a little sarcastic and dry sometimes. And I just remember telling the young lady, I hope she didn't take me seriously, but I just I flirt with boredom. Like, that's what I do during the offseason. You know, I'm like, nah. You know, you just you just try to stay busy. You try and get your hand into some other things. And, you know, the world of sports, I actually came up with it, I want to say October 2nd, 2014, so we're coming up on three years, you know, I run the page, I am the admin, we've added a lot of, you know, funny things, but related to sports, you know, the well-known bum of the week, which uh, the gentleman on the other line that is interviewing me and giving a great interview, by the way, Cole Johnson is a judge, we have a blast with that, you know, we have champ of the week, why not, you know, uh, Acknowledge the guys that are actually doing good rather than just the guys that are doing bad. Uh, you know, just debates, you know, posting links and who would you rather have? You know, just the last couple of weeks, Cole, as you saw, we, we had some legendary discussions with Tom Brady winning ring number five, you know, one for the thumb. We put up a question, who's had the better career, Brady or Tim Duncan? I know they're two different sports, but when you think of a legendary stature, you know, both those two guys are going to come to mind, Brady and Kobe, Brady and Jeter. So I just thought it was fun to try and get this page together. You know, they can post videos, but we want to keep it. We want to keep it as professional as possible. Like, that's definitely my motive with it because I will not tolerate any type of disrespect in that page. I won't tolerate any type of, of down talk upon another person. On that page, there won't be any discussion of, of, of another person's family in the wrong manner on that page. And, you know, if we can all just get along, I think life is easier for the both of us, for all of us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And being that I actually, like you said, I'm actually in the room and a <laughs> judge of one of his one of his uh, <laughs> normal uh, segments. Yeah, I can actually say that's one of the things that drew me to the room, the fact that that you want the room to be as professional as possible. And I admire that about you. Yeah, because the way, you know, thank you, sir. So right back at you. Uh, you know, because the way I look at it as an admin, you set the tone for the whole room, you know. So if you act a fool, everybody else is going to act a fool. So, you know, look, I like to joke around. I like to have a good time. But I know when to be serious. And I just know how to try to conduct myself the, the best way possible. Because, you know, one thing my parents always told me was you know when i'm not around them i'm a representation of them so don't do anything that would make 
us look bad or most importantly make yourself look bad and then i also think about something that jerome Bettis said you know i may not have a lot but the one thing that you have of mine is the last name don't screw anything up don't make it look bad and i think that's the best thing that a parent can say to their child wow that that's 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 a good nugget <laughs> that's a really good nugget now how did you create come up with the concept of of bum of the week and champ of the week right bum of the week you know it started the first inaugural bum was jared dudley uh he said that he was gonna lock carmelo down and carmelo was you know not as good as he once was and i think carmelo gave him 42 that night if i'm not mistaken (laughs) you know he just gave him what we call the fitness (laughs) <laughs> okay and look look if you're gonna talk at least be able to back it up somehow some way you know and i just thought it created a lot of conversation now champ of the week i can't take credit for as uh my guy nelson now mr nelson diaz uh fantastic person you know he posted it in the group he goes look i know this is chris's page and everything but you know why we always acknowledge the antagonists of sports why can't we acknowledge the protagonist as well and i'm like i like that i like that a lot and the first ever champ of the week was max scherzer for it was a no-brainer for us uh for me and the other judges nelson diaz and joshua johnson uh max scherzer took time to play catch with, with the kid in the outfield you know and he didn't have to do that he's on the road with his teammates against a divisional opponent and he decided to just take it upon himself to play catch with the kid and you know little things like that can go a long way for a kid and i was just really moved by that we've had some good champs uh you know i think the one that really stands out to me is foothill high school you know these kids are so young 16 and 17 years old still really learning what life is all about and there was a girl that had uh leukemia if i'm not mistaken and the color for leukemia is orange and these young men came out and just dropped roses at her feet you know if that's not class i don't know what is Mm, wow Mm. and i have a confession to make in front of you actually talk to me all right so (laughs) well you're a listener of my show so you know that i have a segment similar to bum of the week called dolt of the week right and a few months of that goes by and my wife comes to me and says uh, why is it that you talk ill about these players aren't they good players out there I'm like yeah they are well why don't you talk about them i said well i do but you don't award them like you do the ones who are bad i was like okay all right and it was right around the time when your champ of the week started i was like okay right all right okay i think i know what i'm gonna do so when i did my olympics episode i debuted champions personified and i was like okay and i might not do it every week like dolt of the week but i could at least do one or two a month so the first one obviously was michael phelps because i debuted in around olympics okay and uh, and what i found is that it is great to actually highlight good guys or good women doing phenomenal things uh, for instance uh zebo you know zach randolph oh he's the man yeah they're paying twenty thousand dollars to help save uh help save people who were, were whose lights were about to be turned off in the middle of january unbelievable yeah you know so you know it, it that was actually one of my favorite things to actually research 
just to see this love affair that this guy has with a city and how much the city loves him in return. And oh, I love that. So I totally get I totally get how the just position is great. And I have to give uh, the room and Joshua <laughs> credit for actually giving me the motivation to do the same thing on my podcast. So, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, that's how it started. You know, and then, Cole, you were a part of this in December. We had our first ever Bum Madness. Now, for those who were listening, Bum Madness was... We, uh, I had to do my homework and get every bomb for every month from January up until November because I shut it down in December. And what we did was we created a bracket of we seeded every bomb from one to forty five. We seeded every bomb and we pretty much paired everybody up against somebody and we listed what the reason was, why they won, and what they did. And then it was up to everybody in the room to vote. You know, some were just one-sided. Some were just, some were close. And some just kind of had me surprised, like, wow. Because I think this year, the the NBC National Bum Championship, (laughs) well, it came down to uh, Tyler Summit, the the son of the legendary Pat Summit. God bless her soul. Yes. Uh, against Dana Stubblefield And Dana Stubblefield was a 21 seed And Dana ended up winning The whole thing So now You know it's fun It's just it's fun to do Because it kind of makes you look back On everything that you know You discussed in the room Throughout the year So you know I, I just thought it was fun It was fun to do It was fun to come up with And I'm like you know I'm looking forward to this Now I mentioned your, your website But I didn't say it by name So how did you come up with the title of your your blog, The Daily Blitz? Oh man, you know, I just wanted it to be football daily. You know, things, anything that was going on. Because the, the way this first started, it just started as a Facebook fan page. It's just unbelievable in the almost seven years that this has existed. <coughs> Excuse me, that it's become so much more. It's become. A website it's become some radio opportunities it's become it's become some tv work it's become merchandise a merchandise line oh, wow which i never thought i would have and you know i wanted to inquire a, a football term in there as well something that i knew a lot of people were going to understand now my mother my mother doesn't necessarily understand football but i've explained to her what a blitz is and i think that kind of just has to do with the defensive background that you know I played with, so that had a lot to to go to do with it. You know, we had our website uh, dailyblitz61.com. Uh, it was actually a school project call for me, and then I just I ran with it. Now we're in the process of making a new website. The number sixty one still going to be involved, but you know now uh, the name of the new website will be www.thedaily.net. Wow, www daily blitz the daily blitz the the daily blitz.net okay just wanted to make sure i had that right wow okay Okay. all right good good so so when are you gonna uh debut it when 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 is the grand opening for your new website march 3rd march 3rd friday march 3rd 2017 is when the new website will be debuted and i'll also be making another announcement that day as well cole we talked about this the other day um i just feel this is going to make some things really, really grow and stand out 
uh, not not just for me and not just, you know, for my family, but just, you know, for everything. You know, I just want to look. I've been doubted a lot. A lot of people said this really wouldn't be much of anything. Now, here I am and looking to just add on to my resume. All right. So is there anything that you'd like to uh, say in terms of uh, words of wisdom or parting words or parting shot? Uh, yeah why not you know you are in control of what it is you want to do your success is based on the second letter of the word success you you make it happen you know it starts with you it ends with you you know and it starts with the man or the woman or the person in the mirror you know if you want something you make it happen you can't depend on other people and you know don't ever let a rejection keep you down from what it is that you want to do because to me the word no stands for next opportunity and you see why I call this man a brother (laughs) (laughs) Christian Simpson man I mean I can list a whole thing that you are but uh, (laughs) to me the most important thing you are is a friend and a brother and I am so absolutely thankful that I know you and I call you a friend Thank you for giving me the time to actually interview you. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Oh, man. Appreciate it. And thank you for everything you did for me this football season. I can't wait to get back to work with you in the fall, breaking down the NFL and college football. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this will not be the last time you will hear this, man. We will have more of these interviews. Trust me on that. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, man. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. All right. Many thanks go to Christian Simpson. It's an honor to call him a friend and a colleague, the CEO of DailyBlitz61.com, radio contributor. Now, I want you to understand this is where you heard him first, or at least one of the places you heard him first. And don't get it twisted. This isn't the last time you will hear him on this show. This is just the first, because there'll be many more conversations that he and I will have. So many thanks again to Christian. If you happen to like this episode or any episode you've heard thus far, regular show a special or the interviews why don't you come follow me on twitter at cole underscore sports that's sports with the z you can also come follow me on facebook cole sports again sports with the z make your voice heard make your presence felt come on down to the cole sports vip room it's in facebook again it's cole sports again it's sports with the z to my canadian friends i got you sports with a z You can also come follow me on many social media platforms, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram. More importantly, you can follow this show, this episode, or any past episode on ColdSports.com. That's ColdSports.com. That is ColdSports with a Z dot com. Most importantly, like, share, rate, review to your heart's content. But do this one simple thing for me before you do. And that is enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson, bringing to you sports on another level. And this is Cole Sports Conversations. And always remember to keep the conversation going.
You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.